Welcome to the International Bus Podcast brought to you by Wordby. I'm your co-host Tanya Falkner. And this is your co-host Robert Rogi. And in today's episode, we're talking to Gabriele Sauberer. She's an independent business consultant for diversity management, corporate social responsibility and quality audits and translation services. She's also the director of the International Network of Terminology, as well as the president and founder of the Forum for European Diversity Management. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Hi. <laughs> cool. So I guess the first question, we thought we'd just start sort of general. And we were wondering if you could talk a little bit about the international network of terminology and Terminet oh, yeah. and <laughs> sort of like what you do there, because it's a nonprofit, right? Right. We also have a profit <laughs> affiliate, the, the sister company we, we founded for commercial projects. But the mother, let's say, that's a non-profit organization and is becoming 30 years old very soon. Wow. Um, 12th of December. <laughs> uh, yes, that's the 30th anniversary of the International Network for Terminology. We survived <laughs> for 30 years. <laughs> that's great, of course. Actually, it was part of the Austrian Standards Institute 30 years ago, and it was initiated to create a market for terminology products and services. 30 years ago, there was nothing actually <laughs> in terms of a market for consultancy, for tools also to manage terminology professionally. Yeah. Today, Estelle Trados is world market leader in translation management tools and term terminology management. But 30 years ago, it, uh, or let's say 20 years ago, it was a tiny EU-funded project to come up with the terminology management tool. So uh, 30 years of supporting the industry to create services and tools for the language industry, for terminology industry. That's what we've been doing and that is our mission today. On the one hand, with the nonprofit organization, we create a network for the terminology community. And increasingly, it is a community with people who do not have linguistic backgrounds, which is great. You know, it spreads now. We created a couple of years ago a terminology driving license, <laughs> the first European certificate for terminology managers. And it's a European level because the European Certification and Qualification Association is issuing that certificate. It's not it's not Terminet, but Terminet is a ECQA certified training organization and also an exam organization. So we did so far over 500 of these uh, certificates. You can take it together with the training, with the preparation training, but you can also, if you're an expert already, you can just jump into the exams. And this is a real success story because it wasn't existing. It didn't exist such a certificate. And it follows the logic of the European computer driving license, you might know. Mm -hmm. And we, we assessed all these skills and competences you really need as a terminology manager in practice, you know, not in theory, yeah, but in practice, how to initiate such a project, you know, how to uh, get funding, you know, how to convince uh, your colleagues, how to get the buy-in of your superiors to give you a budget, to give you time and resources 
to really implement terminology and management from scratch. So this is quite demanding and it's still, after all these years, I'm selling that and doing that and creating new things, which I love. It's still fun. You know, we have each and every year, we organize an international terminology summer school in Vienna, in Cologne, in Budapest. And that's a gathering of all these crazy terminology people from all over the world. We end up with uh, 35, 40 different countries coming to the summer school. And, and this is magic because all these people, you know, from all these different backgrounds and different companies they work for and organizations, nonprofit organizations, they, uh, you know, stick together for an entire week and learn from each other and enjoy the beautiful city and, and the environments and, and really benefit from the trainers' knowledge and experience. But particular very much from peer group learning so so this is something we really love to do this is and, and of course consultants i personally do a lot of pilot projects that's what i'm really good at i can convince the bosses uh, even the big bosses to be bold and brave enough to start with terminology management and afterwards i bring in all the networks all the you know all our members you know then they do the work and the tools etc but you need a, a phase where you really listen to people you know, th mm -hmm. that's what I love in that very first stage where to, you get the buy-in from the big bosses, you, you get your budget, you know, mm -hmm. you assess what is there already. Yeah, because what I learned yeah. Yeah, in these projects, you, you just interrupt me. You know, I can uh, talk okay. about terminology for ages. You should yeah. <laughs> so I have a question. <laughs> like you mentioned kind of the beginning, there was like SDL yes. um, and they were small and then they grew but I think we've also seen like uh, a lot of other tools emerge in the last, say, I don't know, 10, 15 years. For terminology, like WordBee has some terminology things. I recently demoed a product called Verbatim Soft, yeah. which was pretty good, I thought, yeah, as well. And so like when you do the training certificates and stuff, like mm -hmm. do you just train on one specific technology or... Like, do you find yourself having to try to prepare people for mm -hmm. all different terminology technologies that they might use? Exactly. We are very independent, you know. A term that members are sometimes even competitors when they are tool providers. And this is very good because what we provide to our participants is an overview. An overview of what is available on the market. We invite the tool providers to offer tutorials. I do also a lot of online trainings, you know, so that's then very beneficial for the participants. They get these tutorials, you know, they get the overview, plus they get from our side the knowledge which tool to pick, you know, how to decide anyhow, what do I need and how do I judge about the quality, you know, mm -hmm. of the tools, the requirements, because often people start with the tools. This is horrible. You, <laughs> I'm preaching always start with the people. Then go for the processes, yeah? set up a decent terminology process, and then actually the tools come into play, you know. And usually it's exactly the other way around. People start with the tools and then they get stuck. And they do not uh, know yet, of course, at the beginning of such a project, they do not know yet all the requirements, you know. That's why actually the tools come last 
But uh, no, we do not train them for one or two tools. We give this overview and we jointly raise the awareness of preparing very well until you know which tool is the appropriate one for you, because then you benefit. You mentioned also before that your members are not particularly linguists. And it seems like you're, you know, usually we talk about terminology in relation to translation. Yeah. But it seems like you're going at it from a different perspective. So what exactly does it look like? Exactly. Actually, our target groups, the first target group is the information and the technical writers, the information professionals, the IT professionals, you know, increasingly software developers join our trainings at the quite advanced level. And they obviously learning by doing, they struggled a lot, but they are kind of a key a target group for us because then terminology management starts where it should start, you know, at the very mm. beginning of programming software and designing tools at that design level. It's very important, not only in IT and software, but also in product design. That's mm -hmm. where terminology needs to fit in, you know, and to start. Not that at the end of the production chain where everything is already designed and, and ready to be delivered and then, oops, oh, yeah, we have to translate all these user manuals in 45 different languages and oops, why is that so slow? And oh, they come back to us and saying, hey, but our terminology is, is rubbish. It's inconsistent. It's not correct. And I cannot translate that if they are lucky, you know, if they find good <laughs> translators, certified translators or translation companies, then they will be asked these annoying questions. Mm -hmm. If you find a bad translator, they just translate the rubbish, you know, and don't care. So how have like on the technical documentation side, how have authorship tools evolved in the last 10 years related yeah. to terminology? Yeah. Very good question, because this is really a trend from descriptive, you know, terminology, work and management to the prescriptive. These large corporations we work for and with. They just have the need to standardize, to harmonize, you know. They have so many different people involved in that process of creating terminology and processing terminology to various departments for various purposes. And then, you know, it multiplies when you have to translate everything. So, of course, the so-called source languages, which usually even for German companies, they are bilingual already. They have German and and English as their source language. So if you are not very careful and prescriptive, you know, with your source language, then you're creating the mess, which is then multiplied when you translate it. So, mm -hmm. of course, this is a topic and each and every, and we are recommending actually, yeah, we are recommending if we see that there is that need, we recommend to use authoring tools because then you really can trigger it and monitor and, and really use and create and maintain your very specific corporate language. 
yeah, where terminology, of course, is a key element. So yes, this is definitely a, a very good thing also to my mind, because otherwise you end again, you end in a mess or you have mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, you need a lot of, of training and awareness raising. And, you know, if, if you just, you know, have the authoring tool that's a deprecated term and you just cannot use it, or if you write a technical documentation, it just pops up, you know, and, and you also the, the writers on the safe side, that, okay, I have to use this term here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I started my career like this was a long time ago now. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how long ago, but... Uh, <laughs> you look so young. You're fishing for compliments, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm also fishing. So, yeah, I was working for Lionbridge as a contractor for Hewlett Packard. I was a technical writer and we were using FrameMaker. But that was really early when really these big corporate entities were starting to change the way they were thinking about things. So we, I was there when we switched over. We started using an XML editor. Mm -hmm you know, with the style sheet and everything. Mm -hmm. Sure. So we were using ArborText and then they acquired Vasant mm. and we started using Vasant too. So then it was like we were, you know, as a writing staff, I guess what I want to say is that as a writing staff, I think there was a lot of pushback mm -hmm. against using those tools because okay. they really seemed to slow people down. Mm -hmm. Not so much the XML, but especially Vasant. Because the idea was you were going to reuse content and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. You know, but I think that at the time, you know, this was like 12 years ago or something. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was difficult and it was an early effort, you know. And yeah. so I, I guess what I'm wondering is like, is the investment in this, is it getting easier for like, is the software getting easier for the writers or is there still pushback from writers who don't want to go through these extra steps to do this stuff when they... It yeah. yeah, sure. From my experience, as I said earlier, it really is a bad idea to start with the tools and just to, you know, force people to do something and to use a tool. That's why I always <laughs> say, please start with the people. We need to have a good understanding who is doing what in all that process, you know, with all these various processes uh, run in parallel who is doing what and when you ask people that's my favorite you know i'm a chatty person but i love to be an auditor and assessor for terminology project because i just ask very basic questions and then i listen to people i listen to people and i can tell you all the wisdom is in the organization. All these guys and girls, they know best what are the challenges, what they're struggling with, and how to solve that. If you do not listen to your people, if you do not understand how interrelated everything is in a large organization, then, of course, you get all these negative energy. And people say, I refuse to use this tool. It slows down everything. Because if you start with the people and then you understand very clearly what is the need, what are the requirements, what do you really need as a terminology and language management process, you know, integrated, not a standalone, but integrated in the other processes, you know, the very best is when you reach to have an SOP, a standard operating procedure where terminology management is included and then you get the buy-in from, from all people involved you know and then when you listen to your people they come up 
with the requirements of that tool. And then they even suggest the tool. They try it out. You train them. You know, you involve them in the decision-making process. And then they love the tool. And they are very grateful to have that tool. This is what happens when I guide an organization through these processes. You know, it's also a decision-finding <laughs> process. And when you do not something for people, but with people, you know, when you include them, then actually it's great for everybody. And the technical writers, usually they're very, very keen on, you know, having the right tool, making their lives easier. That's mm -hmm. the core challenge, yeah? mm -hmm. to find things, to come to a joint conclusion, what is going to make my life easier? Because otherwise you can forget it. That and, and it's so logical, you know, and understandable. I do not want to use a new tool which is slowing me down and which is not making my life easier. And that's also my main selling argument for terminology management, you know. It must make the life easier of the people. Hey, as you know, we like to keep things mostly non-commercial around here, and we like to just stick to interviewing the guests about fascinating subjects, but we would like to take a moment to mention a little bit about WordBee Translator. WordBee Translator is the translation management system developed by WordBee over the last 10 years, so we are celebrating 10 years now. It's all in one system, so you can manage projects, it also has linguistic tools, it has tools for finance, business analytics, and it's been around for 10 years, so it does pretty much anything you want. Before working for WordBee, I also used WordBee Translator. One of my favorite things about it was actually the invoicing because it made it really easy to manage supplier invoices, create them, and just not have to deal too much with the financial side of things. But other customers appreciate other things, like for example, it's a native cloud technology, so it's really collaborative. You know, you can keep track of what's going on in there at uh, any, any moment in your project. It's easy to set up different job assignment methods. You know, you can check your stats at any time. You can see how your project managers are performing. You can see how your translators are doing. And yeah, it does pretty much everything you want. It ends up fitting your organization like a glove, as we say. So that was just a word about Wordy Translator. Now, without further ado, back to the podcast. Do you usually then work with the translation or the linguistics departments or what is your, what's the people that you work with? Oh, all the departments, all the departments, Tanya. It really depends. And recently it's really more from marketing, mm -hmm. but also sometimes really from top management. Yeah. So this is new. Yeah? Marketing is good and But we had literally everything, you know, all the way down of the production process. So that, that usually, yeah, to be honest with you, the language departments, if they exist, yeah, they mm -hmm. have a very bad standing. They are not the ones who are able to organize external help or, you know, they hardly have a budget themselves, you know, and they hardly can convince their own uh, bosses and colleagues to do decent uh, terminology work. So they are lucky when they will be sent to our <laughs> terminology trainings. Yeah? But usually it's not easy for them to stand up and say, oh, we need proper terminology management and it will cost uh, this and that. And 
that will be the return on investment because this is exactly what we teach them in our trainings, you know, hmm. how to talk the language of uh, decision makers, how to come up with a nice and convincing presentation, what they need, what the, will it cost, you know, what's the return on investment and stuff like that. How do we enroll the project and everything? Yeah, This is you, you, so, how we expect it actually from translators and interpreters who, who never heard that at university. Still, you know, it's very rare that they get trained in, in these uh, business-minded stuff. So like, so I assume that implementing terminology management and just based on my limited experience, it can be, I, I imagine it can be pretty expensive, like especially for a big enterprise. But how would you describe the cost of not doing terminology management. <laughs> yeah, it's much higher than the cost of doing terminology management, of course. We use, you know, I heavily use this nice pain curve you, you might be aware of, where on, on the one side you have the time, time and costs, yeah? and uh, you can't get away for long not tackling terminology. And it's like this, it's like a pain curve, you know, slowly but steadily, the pain gets bigger and bigger. And, and like with the tooth, <laughs> at some stage, it just explodes and you end up in a real mess. And then it's very, very costly to sort that all out. And, and maybe you even uh, already get sued because of a product uh, description or, or, you know, delivery uh, can't be delivered, delivered, et cetera, product liability issues, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and then it really hurts also in terms of money. Whereas when you, when you're brave enough yeah, to start with terminology management, that it hurts in the beginning, because this is a very broad thing, very sensitive. Yeah. Everybody is very sensitive about language, you know, particularly when you then want to prescribe, you should use this terminology, but it gets better soon. Yeah. So that's the pain curve. Then you see it on the, on the one side, uh, when you do not uh, do terminology management, the pain gets bigger and bigger, but slow. Slowly, yeah? uh, various when you do implement terminology management at the professional level, there is pain, you know, and the movement and, and rumors and, you know, the challenge in the beginning. But then the curve is getting flatter and flatter because you solve a lot of problems and, and you gain a lot of time, you know, you regain time. That is what people is driving mad. And uh, then, of course, you, and you save a lot of costs. You only need to calculate on average, you know, what people are spending, what time they are spending for searching, for correcting the same things over and over again. I have figures and percentage. It's, you know, it's all taken from real life and it's horrible. Senior management sometimes, they waste up to 40, 40% of the productive time, you know, to correct, to organize all this mess and to, whoa, why it's on the website, it's called that and the product number in that uh, resource is, is different. You know, it, it, it's a horrible mess, you know, really mm -hmm. making people driving them crazy and it's uh, when you just you know then uh, multiply that with the average you know wages <laughs> they have it's up to millions yeah when you you know have a, have a larger company and that's quite easy to argue because mm. everybody agrees everybody said yes i waste a lot of time with these things and of course then again it multiplies with the translations you need double triple amount of money to translate all that mess yeah 
I have to admit, it's a fascinating topic. I've not thought about it this way, you know, since we were in the translation industry, I've also always thought about it in the translation kind of way. So I'm just wondering, you also do a lot with diversity management, right? So how does it relate to terminology? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, because in my very generalistic mind, it's so clear yeah, that it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I went from the linguistic diversity. This is how I started. I was a passionate language learner. I studied Eastern European languages, uh, Russian and Polish, and but always combined with other topics. I have a very, you know, interdisciplinary mind. And my interests are all very interdisciplinary from the very beginning. So I studied also, the, you know, psychology and economics and whatnot, you know. And uh, this linguistic diversity very naturally led to the cross-cultural management, you know. So I did a lot of cross-cultural management. And this more or less directly led me to the management of human diversity at the workplace. And this is called diversity management, you know, and this is actually very simple. In diversity management, we want to find the right people for the right job, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender, regardless of their ethnical background or skin color or physical abilities or disabilities, regardless of their sexual orientation and their religious beliefs. You know, we just want to find the right people for the right tasks so that everybody is flourishing. The organization is flourishing and also the employee or the partner is flourishing because these people are then at that position where they are good at, you know. And mm -hmm. this is a huge challenge for everybody to really understand the power, you know, of such a mm, logical thing, you know. We have these um, Gallup engagement index, you know, showing us that worldwide, you know, it's a little bit better in the in North America, yeah, where we have at least one third of emotionally committed employees, you know, so they really like to be in their company or organization. They really like to work there and to share their ideas, uh, etc. But the vast majority, we have 70%, 70% of employees are not emotionally bound to the company. They just do what they are told to do, but they do not report on mistakes or they do not uh, report on what they think uh, could be nice as an innovation or an improvement, you know. And then we have even 15% who do not uh, care at all, you know. So we have 15%, 1-5% in Europe more or less of people who are really engaged, who are committed to their work, you know, and we have 85% who are not so I wonder how our economies actually work because mm -hmm. this is a, a huge problem and diversity management just can help, you know, to get this engagement because if you create a work atmosphere, you know, where people just feel safe and appreciated and heard, you know, and valued in their talents, what they're good at, you know, you are leveraging this potential, these 85% of brains, you know, and talents yeah, who are not yet willing or able to really share their, mm -hmm. their knowledge at the workplace because they yeah. Yeah, they are not engaged. They are not emotionally 
engaged. And, you know, the linguistic diversity, it just comes with the cultural and the human diversity. I cannot distinguish between the two of them or could not in the past. The same with the private life and the business life or the, your life at the workplace. Yeah? So work-life balance is quite weird for me. It's more, uh, let's say, an integration work-life because my life is both. It's my private, so-called private, but also my business life, of course. Hmm. Well, it certainly helps uh, for terminology management if everyone is uh, emotionally invested in the company, I think. You know that from translators. Yeah, <laughs> Translators have a very, very stressful job. And as I said earlier, they often do not have a good standing, got not a good recognition of their value of the work they're doing. So it's pretty frustrating. You know, I started quite early to really care about that and to realize that wow, these people need, you know, first of all, the community. Well, I've termed that with the terminology trainings and summer schools. We really give our language industry such a community. It's really great for people to mingle and to, you know, comfort each other that, wow, yes, it's the same at my place. And, you know, so just also to share these pains and the struggle they have, because usually you end up quite isolated, you know, and this is toxic for human beings. We just want to, you know, share our ideas and we want to be committed and engaged in everything we do, because otherwise we just, you know, it's really like a little bit like flowers. We do not grow and we do not flourish. Yeah? And I just combined these two worlds, because for me, as I said, for me, it's only one world, you know, the linguistic diversity and at the human diversity, you can't, you know, separate one one of, of the other. But of course, I agree. Diversity management, of course, as a, also as a consultant, I do a lot of trainings. I do a lot of empowering trainings, diversity management, uh, pilot projects, strategies. Of course, it's considered very different from language consultancy. Yeah. So I'm more there into human resource management, strategic planning, leadership uh, development, stuff like that. So that's for sure. But for me, for my mind, it's actually pretty clear <laughs> that the linguistic diversity is included in diversity management as well, of course, yeah, with all these many cultures usually working already at, at the workplace. So in, in Vienna, we have uh, 35 to 40 percent of migrants and their languages, the hundreds of languages they bring with them, they are not appreciated. So it's a terrible loss of resources, you know. So <laughs> mm -hmm. I sort of took it a little bit away from terminology, but to bring it back, I think it'd be really interesting to know what a project exactly looks like. So if you think about like a previous project that you had, what challenges did you have or what challenges did the company have and how, how did you handle it? Uh -huh. You know, again, it's pretty similar to other change processes. A, a terminology management project is, again, very similar to a diversity management project because usually it's a change project, you know. You go there and uh, there are is a lot of pain already, you know, a lot of things that should be changed. And it's very sensitive because language yeah, is very sensitive. As I said earlier, it's one part of our identity and the same goes for diversity management. So your age, your gender, your beliefs, your oh, sexual orientation, 
abilities, disabilities, this is very much part of your identity. And the same goes for the language you're using. Even if it's monolingual, you know, everybody wants to create his or her own terms and has different <laughs> meanings of concept and so on. So to initiate the project where we actually say, well, we need a strategy. We need to listen to people, what they need, why we ended up in a mess. And always, whenever we do not manage diversity, be it linguistic diversity or human diversity, we will end up in a mess. That's for sure. You know, And then we lose the benefits of diversity because the benefits of linguistic diversity, you know, that's for sure. It's a huge market. We all live from that market, you know, and it's a growing market, a wonderful market. Yeah? But if we do not manage languages and translation and terminology in this organization, we end up in a mess, in a, a lot of, you know, unnecessary costs and frustrations and inefficiencies. Yeah? So we have to manage it. And this is something you have to make very clear in the very beginning of such a project. And my approach is, and, and I learned that really, I learned it in the US and in Canada. In Europe, we tend to be too critical in the beginning. We cannot come to the top management and say, well, this is a mess. Yeah? <laughs> of course, it is a mess, yeah, because it's natural. When you do not professionally manage terminology and language, you end up in a mess. But my approach is to first really praise the company and the great products and services they have, you know, because obviously they did something right, you know, because they're still existing and, okay, they are even brave enough, you know, to call us, yeah, to sort out that mess. They know they have a mess, but it's not us to start with that. So I had very good experience with that to really say, hey, this is wonderful. They don't get me wrong. Yeah, You have a common problem because organizations they always think oh it's only us and look at the competitors they are better and whatnot but it's very common you know so I try to comfort them I try to show them that they are not alone you know that and that it's feasible that they are doing great and they mm. will do even greater you know that's when, interesting when like related to feasibility and sort of going backwards to something you mentioned earlier just sort of touched on if I was going to be skeptical about terminology management, yeah. I, w I would assume that the the really sticky point would be like cross-channel stuff. Because like if you're just doing technical docs, mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot easier to be like, OK, we're going to, you know, come up with this technical solution to make sure our terminology is standardized across all of our technical docs. But then you've got marketing materials, you've got promotions, you've got website stuff, you've got support, exactly. you've got all yep. these different channels mm -hmm. and your terminology tool probably doesn't plug into each one of those channels. <laughs> yeah. And people are writing emails to each other and they're even their emails, they're using their own terms or whatever terms that they want. Yeah. And uh, I kind of wonder, like, it must be, a, it, it's certainly a problem. Like, I wouldn't be skeptical that it's a problem. I'm not skeptical that it's not solvable either, but I guess the question is like, how do you handle this cross-channel stuff? Yeah, yeah. It is huge and it's the core, you know, of the mess yeah, and the problem. That's for sure. Again, first, we need that overview. Mm -hmm. Where are all the 
resources, who is doing terminology work at a daily basis, sometimes not even knowing that this is called terminology work, you know, mm -hmm, and, right. and, that's, and that's fine, you know, that's very natural. And then all the tools come into place. Where are these resources, you know? Is there the, the, the content management system and the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the enterprise resource uh, management systems and, and all this stuff? So not only the, the channels you're calling it, but also then the interfaces to the tools. This is the challenge. And actually, you know, uh, I thought 10 years ago, I thought, oh, this is actually uh, more or less solved because I was naive enough to <laughs> to believe and to trust the the tool providers who who usually say I oh, I don't know no no problem you know yeah. uh, but uh, today <laughs> ten years after I'm actually uh, maybe again naive <laughs> enough to say yes it is solvable because now you can we have the uh, the the more sophisticated terminology tools where we can you know extract from all the other uh, uh, tools and 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 resources you know so it is feasible but you need to manage it very very well to have that source uh, source uh, of truth you know uh, it, it can be the term based but it it not necessarily you know you you can also when when people say no our source of truth has to be sap for instance you know then this is fine as well you know because there are these interfaces between a, a terminology management tool and you you really can organize it then and again you have to organize it with people with the terminology rounds or circle, you know, with these working groups where the experts from the various departments, from the relevant uh, content creators, you know, the terminology <laughs> workers yeah, uh, uh, sit together uh, on a regular basis, share their knowledge and uh, agree on a joint process. And this process, again, is quite simple. You know, in terms of what do we do uh, when when there is a new term emerging or when we create new terms, you know, we just can't do it <laughs> uh, like that, you know, and then nobody uh, knows about it. But we have to, you know, agree on, okay, who is then involved, who is going to, you know, to, uh, to, to put that term, then to agree first on it, if it's fine, or mm, then to, to, to put it into, into uh, the, the, the source of truth and to, you know, to, to maintain, to organize, you know, to manage the terminology. This sometimes this are the the the, the language people uh, or the terminology uh, professionals, uh, but sometimes they are monitoring the process and they are not the ones who who really care then for for all these data, you know. And it's fine both ways or. or the hundred ways that lead to, to a good goal uh, are fine, yeah? but to need to manage it, whatever solution you find for your particular case. Yeah? And we have a lot of good and best practice example, what does work in many, many industries, you know, but it's very important that the people themselves agree to these processes, you know, and the, and have, get first a good overview. Oh, wow. That's, that's huge. You know, marketing and sales is creating a lot of content. 
you know, and the, uh, the, 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 the product managers, they start with it, you know, the, the developers, the designers, etc. And all this, uh, all these people need to be included in that process. And this is actually the key. When you manage that, you know, then all the rest, the technical uh, issues, they are solvable because you have the buy-in of the people. You know, that, that's essential. It, it sounds quite trivial, but it's, it's really true. You, you cannot expect a, um, a sustainable, well-functioning terminology system and project uh, when you focus on, on the tools. You know, you have to, to and continuously, it's not, that's an, an, a never ending circle. You know, you always need to care about uh, uh, the, the, the commitment of the people, you know, that these terminology rounds are meeting at the regular basis, that they are discussing the, uh, the, the challenges that, that, you know, that, and then, uh, of course, it, it multiplies again with, with, the, with the languages. You need to involve the, the, the affiliates all over the, the world. You know, they do uh, a lot of translation work then together with the external uh, translation service providers. So it's a lot of, you know, managing people and again a lot of cross-cultural management a lot of diversity management you know because some of the the, the worst problems we have can be solved when we really you know learn again to listen to people to talk to people in a constructive and positive way you know so uh, i've seen that all over the world and for me it's 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 still uh, so fascinating you know that when you have this buy in of people when you really can can um enthusi- can, can make them enthusiastic yeah then then you can reach the unbelievable goals you know and and everything really works nice and and uh, and great and and first you think that that's why i like this uh, this quote from nelson mandela so much uh, it, it always seems impossible until it's done <laughs> this is my <laughs> approach what i yeah what i go into into uh, large corporations and i um, uh, initiate and implement uh, terminology management yeah. mm-hmm. I can imagine you're doing a really good job at it when you say you want them to be enthusiastic. If I, you know, if I listen to you, I really like your enthusiasm for the topic and you're so passionate about terminology. Well, it's very interesting for sure. I think we've learned a lot in this podcast and probably about to wrap it up. Robert, did you have any last questions? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm like, uh, I'm pretty impressed too. Like it's... Uh, <laughs> You're very enthusiastic, and it sounds like it's your lifelong mission. Uh, it is. It definitely is. And my charms are just irresistible. Ask it's, all yeah, these big it, bosses. It's almost contagious, you know? It yeah. Is. Yeah, I'm thinking like, virus. Tanya, we got to do some terminology meetings here. At Word hey. we, for Word B Marketing, we need to have some terminology meetings. It's probably true, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. we, I mean, even at Word B, we call different product features every which name you know sure like <laughs> i'm sure that practice can... what you preach don't have a too close look at the terminal website please <laughs> oh yeah yeah we're gonna look over there for <laughs> any inconsistencies uh we'll send you an email all right then i guess we'll wrap this up that was another episode of the international bus oh, i got something i got something <laughs> go ahead we have a panel coming up. We have an online panel called Trends in Technical Communication. 
Ooh, sounds good. Yeah. You want to join the panel? You'd be pretty good on it. Well, I love to be a panelist. <laughs> cool. With it's in February. Pleasure. Yes, with great pleasure. Mm -hmm. Cool. So for any listeners, February 27th, we uh, have an online sorry, panel. I think you got the date wrong on that one. That's actually going to be in August. Oh, it got moved? Yes, it got moved. Sorry oh, about okay. that. Oh. It's on 21st of August, but we'll definitely promote it again. So you won't miss it for sure. Mm -hmm. So everyone has plenty of time to go sign up for that <laughs> yeah. event, actually. You have like, I don't even know how many months that is. That's almost a year. So. A long time to get it into your schedule. <laughs> That's right. So plan for that, everybody. Trends in technical communication. <laughs> penciled in. I penciled it. 21st August. I'll be there. Cool. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. My pleasure, Tanya. Thank you so much. And Robert for having me. You bet. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Ciao.